Hey, bookworms. Welcome to Write From Karen. My name is Karen. This part of my podcast is all about books. What works, what doesn't. What can I learn from the story, and how can I apply it to my own writing? I primarily read mysteries, thrillers, romance, literary fiction, with a sprinkle of fantasy. Grab a cup of coffee, and let's crack open a book together. Hello, welcome, beautiful bookworms. How are you today? Today is Wednesday, June 23rd. It is about 1242 in the afternoon. I'm actually recording this on one of my staycation days. I took some time off from work and I uh, thought I would catch up on some projects that I've been meaning to do for a while. And this book review podcast is one of those projects. For those of you that don't know, if you're curious, my day job is a medical assistant at a medical facility, and I work specifically with neurosurgeons. Um, So it's been a while and it was much needed time off to recharge my batteries. Uh, We did not do anything, obviously. We stayed home like the good little sheeple that we are, (laughs) primarily because we really wanted to go on a cruise, but of course that is not happening anytime soon, especially if you're um, you know, not vaccinated, which I am not and have no intentions of doing anytime soon, but I digress. So the purpose of this podcast, I thought I used to do these book reviews on my main podcast, which I put out on Sundays. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I want to spend a little more time on these books and I felt rushed. And so I thought it would be fun to do something separate for the bookworms out there that aren't necessarily interested in my politics. <laughs> um, so here we are. This is the first of hopefully many book reviews. I have no idea if I'm going to stick to a regular schedule. I'm going to try my best to post at least one a week. But, um, you know, don't hold your breath. I don't know. This is experimental. It depends on how much time I have and how much energy I have left over from my day job to get to this. But books are definitely my passion. Um, If I could read full time and get paid to do it, I would do it in a heartbeat for those of you out there that potentially could... (laughs) That, that are potentially listening to this thinking, oh, maybe I can hire Karen as my book reviewer, because um, I'm open to that idea, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, so I thought it would be fun to do this. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoy putting it together and talking about books. Now, I will tell you that I'm a writer as well. However, I have not been doing a whole lot of writing recently. Um, I'm in a little bit of a creative slump, not going to lie. Uh, Every time I I open a document up to start like a a short story or some kind of work of fiction, I just find myself, I just, I'm just stuck. I'm just staring at this blank screen. I don't know what to do. Um, So reading really helps motivate me and inspires me to write something. So what I think I might be doing is a little bit of fan fiction. I think that that would really open up my creative doors into something a little bit more original. Um, I know a lot of times I get done with a a story and I just want to add to it or I liked the character so much that I want to put that character in a different situation. 
And, um, you know, maybe I'll start trying that. Maybe that'll help me with my creative block, so to speak. Um, because I, I can write, no question about it. But coming up with an idea seems to be a problem for me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, even looking at prompts, I used to be able to just write a short story off the cuff, reading a writing prompt. And even that, I'm just feeling stifled. So I don't know if it's a mental health issue, if work is just really weighing on my mind. Um, well, it is. I'm not going to lie. It is waiting. It is weighing on my mind a lot. Uh, this whole vaccine mandate thing, I could potentially not have a job soon if they mandate it. But I'm trying not to think about it too much. Um, but I think it is weighing heavily on my subconscious. And I think it is definitely um, blocking my creative muse from getting to me. So Anyway, so that's kind of another reason why I wanted to do a separate book review. You know, maybe I will do a spinoff of this and write a piece of fiction based on the characters that I read about and maybe put them in a different situation or, you know, mold them into a character that I wish they were. Because uh, some of these stories I get a little disappointed with the characters and how they're written and it's like I wish the author would have done this or I wish the author would have gone down this road and it's you know uh, just kind of explored a different avenue I think with the character development but anyway so the first book I'm going to talk about today well the only book I'm going to talk about today I'm only going to focus on one book for this book review I think more than that is just too much um, it is, um, let me get the correct title here. It is Park Avenue Player by Penelope Ward and Vi Keelan. It is a romance. Um, I don't read a whole lot of romance. I used to read exclusively romance. Uh, I don't really read a whole lot of it as much anymore I think primarily because I get a little bored with it. It's so formulaic, you know, and I want something a little bit more spicy, a little more dangerous, a little more, you know, out of the box. So I think that's one reason why I really enjoy mysteries and thrillers. Those are my number one genre. That's probably the most book reviews you're going to hear on this podcast is from mysteries and thrillers. But once in a while, I like to throw in a romance just to cleanse my palate, so to speak. Because <laughs> uh, mysteries and thrillers can get a little dark. So it's kind of nice to crawl out of that dark hole once in a while and, um, you know, just read something a little more simple, a little more fun. And I feel like that's where romance comes in. So I picked this up um, primarily because, well, let me back up. I don't buy books, okay? So I know this may come as a shock to some people, but I'm super cheap and I'm gonna make my dollar stretch as far as it can possibly go. So I get all of my books from Kindle Unlimited because you can spend $10 a month and read unlimited number of books in the Kindle Unlimited category on Amazon, which is vast, a lot of books out there to choose from. It's not like I have, I feel like I'm, you know, I can only select from a few select titles. Um, 
but I've been enjoying it immensely. I've been doing it now for a few years. Gosh, I seriously can't even remember the last time I actually bought a book. Uh, so it's all been Kindle Unlimited. So if you're interested in reading a lot and not paying very much, that is definitely a good avenue to walk down. Um, and I generally don't pick books that are under four star reviews on Goodreads. I trust the Goodreads reviews and they've really not let me down. So that's where I'm coming from. I don't really read anything from the New York Times bestseller list because honestly, I don't enjoy a lot of the books that are on the bestsellers list. I think they're overhyped and underperform and I'm constantly disappointed. In fact, there were a few years that I stopped reading entirely because I was so discouraged about not reading anything like interesting or fun or just good. All the books that I were picking up, I just felt like were a colossal waste of time and were just, just not what I wanted. It was just not my cup of tea at all. So when Kindle Unlimited was introduced and started, you know, I, I personally love e-readers. I, I prefer to read on an e-reader than an actual paperback book for a few reasons. One, I feel like it's easier to read on a Kindle. It's less stress on my eyes. Uh, and the biggest reason, honestly, is because I don't, I simply don't have the space to put physical books in my house. Uh, so this is like the perfect solution is to have all these ebooks on this device that I super love. It's super small and convenient to carry around and it's just a lot easier on my eyes to read from. So that's, that's where I am on that. So if you're hoping for me to read, you know, or comment on these bestsellers on the New York Times list, this may not be the podcast for you. I'm going to focus more on little, little known authors or as not um, publicized, promoted authors, I guess, indie authors, you know, just giving some of these other authors a read. And quite honestly, I've been very, very happy with the majority of the books that I've picked up from Kindle Unlimited. So I hope you'll stick around. Um, I, I feel like the books that I review, for the most part, are really great. And for the most part, I would recommend most of them. So I hope you'll stick around and, and join me on this journey. Now, I will say that if you're interested in following what I'm currently reading or what I'm getting ready to do a review on, you can follow me on goodreads.com. My username is Write from Karen. That's all one word, and it's W R I T E from Karen. And you're welcome to follow me, and you can see, you know, what books I'm currently reading. Generally speaking, if I'm reading a book, I'll probably talk about it in my next broad my, my next broadcast, my next podcast. Uh, for instance, my, the book I'm currently getting ready to start is Station Breaker uh, by Andrew Maine. M-A-Y-N-E. He's one of my favorite authors at the moment. I absolutely love pretty much everything that he writes. 
Uh, so I'm looking forward to reading this. And it looks like it's a little bit more of a sci-fi kind of book, which is not a genre that I really read very much from. So I'm looking forward to it. So if you're interested in reading that book um, in preparation for my next book review, so you kind of know what I'm talking about, you can offer your two cents. I always put these book reviews on my blog as well, which is writefromkaren.com, W-R-I-T-E from Karen.com. Feel free. You're welcome. More The more the merrier. Okay, so let's get back to the book that I that I have read, and it's Park Avenue Player, again, by Penelope Ward and Vi Keelan. I have read a few books from this, um, from this duo. They're not bad. Um, I, I mean, it's they're not outstanding either. They're pretty, pretty average books. Um, this book, though, did surprise me, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's start with the book, book blurb, and then I'll read a little bit from the book itself, and then I'll read you my thoughts. This is the book blurb from Park Avenue Player. It started out like any normal day. Then the fender bender happened. The guy I collided with drove an expensive car and was drop dead gorgeous. Too bad he was also a total jerk. We argued over whose fault it was and any other thing that came out of his condescending mouth. Eventually the police came and we went our separate ways. The insurance companies would have to figure things out. I had a job interview to get to anyway, one I was excited about. Though the excitement changed to disappointment the moment the person interviewing me walked in. The guy from the accident. Whoops. Yeah, so I didn't get the position. The problem was I really wanted it. No, I needed it. Anything to get me out of my current career and back into working with kids. So even though Hollis LaCroix was as intimidating as he was devastatingly handsome, I went back to see him and begged for a chance. To my surprise, he gave me a shot taking care of his troubled niece. At least my attraction to him wouldn't be able to go anywhere. I wasn't about to jeopardize my job or the strong bond Haley and I formed. But resisting the magnetic pull between us wasn't that simple. Then there was our little underwear game. Don't ask. We continued to flirt without crossing the line until it finally happened. This is the part of the story where we fall in love and live happily ever after, right? Well, life has a way of throwing some major curveballs. Ours was one I didn't see coming. Okay, this is told from both uh, Elodie and Hollis's point of views. Chapter one is from Elodie's um, point of view. Sometimes I wished I was ugly. Maybe not giant wart on your nose, three of my teeth turned black and those are the only ones I have, scar running down my cheek, thinning haired woman comb over ugly, because I do have to look at my own reflection every once in a while, but it would be nice to walk into a room and not get eye fucked by every shiny suit wearing stockbroker asshole in the bar. Do I sound better? I'm sorry, but downtown stockbroker bars always get to me. Aren't brokers just used car salesmen in fancier suits? If they're so great about picking stocks, why aren't they home counting their $1,000 bills earned from gold-laden investments rather than selling advice to others? I was minimally grateful that tonight's catch wasn't a stockbroker. 
Speaking of which, my target had just noticed me. It took the leering pig a solid minute to work his way up to my face. At least this cheater looked exactly like the picture we'd been given. Tall, fit, inky black hair slicked back, square jaw, imperious nose, squinty eyes. One look and I knew I'd walked the other way if this weren't a job. My unsuspecting opponent for tonight was an attorney from the Upper West Side, an entertainment lawyer with a penchant for fucking starlets who hadn't yet learned to look beneath a $3,000 wool suit and check for a woof. Our non-refundable retainer was 40 hours for this job. I'd bet money I could be done in a fraction of that time. Hmm, maybe I will bet. Soren was always up for a little wager. Of course, it was a win-win for him since it motivated me to finish the job quickly, which in turn meant I was free to start another one sooner. Only, I hoped there wouldn't be any more jobs like this one. I had an interview for a real job tomorrow night, one that didn't involve getting pawed on a daily basis, and with any luck, this crap would soon be over. Sensing Larry the lawyer oogling me across the bar again, I fluttered my lashes as I looked up and shot him my best, you're a big, rich, tough guy, and I'm just a little old stupid girl smile. Just for fun, I added a twirl of my naturally platinum hair as I hoisted my D-cups in his direction. His flat-chested brunette wife had mentioned he favored blondes with big boobs. You're in luck, Larry. Ring-a-ding-ding. Come and get it, you dog. By the time I finished texting Soren about a wager, the courthouse conniver was already at my side. You look like you could use a drink, he said. I bit my lip and cast my eyes down, feigning shyness for a few seconds, then raised my big baby blues to him. I don't usually drink with strangers. He offered me his hand. Garrett Lepresky. And so it begins. Lie number one, Larry Mercer. Putting my hand in his, we shook. Sienna Bancroft. He didn't let go. Now we're not strangers, are we, Sienna? I smiled, as if flattered by his attention, as if men being attracted to long legs and a great rack wasn't the ban of my existence. When my phone buzzed, I knew it was Soren. Excuse me, just a moment. Soren. Leo just parked. He should be inside any minute. Elodie. I'm feeling lucky, or should I say Larry is feeling he might get lucky tonight with Sienna. What do you say to my wager? Soren responded seconds later. Soren, pull this job off in four hours or less and I'll double your fee. Sorry, Larry Garrett, you won't even be cupping a cheap fill tonight. But what you will be getting is exactly what you deserve. I tossed my phone into my purse and tilted my head coyly. Did you mention a drink? Sometimes I felt badly about what I did. There were two sides to every story, and we only got to hear one of them. On occasion, the women who hired us were nasty bitches, although that still didn't give any man the right to cheat. Walk away, prospective Mr. Cheater. There was always that option. But then sometimes we got a bitchy wife, coupled with a husband that took weeks to secure even the slightest hint of infidelity on camera. I might have felt a torch of guilt with those jobs, but tonight was definitely not one of those nights. 30 minutes after Garrett suggested we sit in a booth so we could have some privacy, his wedding ring indented hand was on my knee under the table. Such a slime ball. Yet I still had to play along, knowing Leo wouldn't be able to catch the hand with his video camera on the other side of the bar. I wanted his hand off my knee. 
I wanted him away from me. So I played dirty. The camera wouldn't be able to capture what I said. He'd been staring at my lips the last few minutes like he was about to devour them. I hated when any of my jobs kissed me on the mouth, or kissed me at all for that matter. So a little push in the right direction was definitely in order. The bastard opened the door, enabling me to kick him right through. So what do you say we get out of here, he suggested. Go back to your place. I leaned in and lowered my voice. Don't I get to sample the goods before I take them home? Gorgeous, you can have anything you want. What do you have on your mind? Well, I pushed my arms tight against my sides, causing my breasts to pop up and out of my already low-cut blouse, showcasing a ridiculous amount of cleavage. His eyes followed. My neck is very sensitive. I like the skin under my ear sucked. I can do that, but what are you going to suck for me in return? I swallowed the bile in my throat and forced a smile. Whatever you want. I didn't have even have a chance to brace myself before he was on me. His mouth went straight for my neck. I let him get in a few disgusting kisses and sucks before I glanced over to where I knew Leo was positioned. He gave me a curt nod and I shoved Larry back and lied through my teeth. Oh, that feels so good. Let's just go to my place. I'm dying to give you a good suck too. Lead the way. Give me two minutes to go to the powder room so I can freshen up. He took my hand and cupped it around his heart on through his pants. We'll be right here waiting for you. Hurry. Oh, I will. My departure was always well planned in advance. A few days ago, I stopped by the bar and found an emergency exit at the end of the hallway that led to the bathroom. Since it was at least since it was at the back of the building, I'd parked my car on the street behind the bar. Pushing open the door, I strutted through and took a deep breath of fresh air. I was going to have to go home and shower after having that guy's lips on me, but for now I was done. I text as I walked to my car. Elodie, done. There's a sucker born every minute. Soren responded quickly. Soren, are you referring to me because of our bet or Larry the lawyer? Elodie, both. Thanks for the extra cash. See you payday. Bang! Shit! I closed my eyes. This was the last thing I needed. I was 45 minutes early for my interview, but that wasn't enough time to deal with an accident. I put the car into park, being careful to leave it exactly in the position the accident had occurred and got out. The front fender of my old Jeep Wrangler had a small dent and a few scratches, but the other car definitely bore the brunt of the damage. Its back tire was hissing and already flat out to flat. The real wheel well had crumpled inward and pressed against the tire. The fancy-looking Mercedes seemed to almost implode on impact. What the hell? You've got to be kidding me. The driver of the Mercedes got out of his car and joined me to look at the damage. He raked his hand through his hair. Didn't you see me? I was backing into the spot. Of course. I not only hit what was probably a $100,000 car, but the driver had the jawline of a Greek god. Figures he'd be gorgeous to match his ostentatious car. I disliked him instantly. I was there first. You started backing up after I'd already started pulling in. Already pulling in? I don't think so. You tried to slip in while I was already backing up to Parallel Park. No one was behind me when I started. My hands flew to my hips. Oh, yes, I was. You just didn't see me. I pulled up behind you and waited. When you didn't move after a minute, I even honked my horn. So I figured you were just double parked and I was clear to take the open spot. If you wouldn't have nailed the gas, you would have had time to see me and stop before you hit me. His brows jumped up. 
hit you, he pointed to his car. I think it's pretty obvious who hit who by the damage. I ignored him. What, were you on the phone or something? He scowled. I hope you have insurance. No, I drive around without insurance. I rolled my eyes. Just because I don't drive a fancy car like you doesn't mean I'm a criminal. Mr. Mercedes huffed. I have an appointment to get to. Can we just exchange information and be on our way? I took out my phone and started to take pictures of the damage. No, we need a police report. That'll take an hour or two at least. We don't need a police report for such an obvious accident. Are you going to admit it was your fault to your insurance company? Because while you may be able to afford a rate hike, I can't. I'm not going to admit it was my fault because it wasn't my fault. That's why we need a police report. Mr. Mercedes grumbled something I couldn't make out and pulled his phone from his pocket. I assumed he was calling the police, but apparently he wasn't. I listened as he barked to whomever was on the other end of the phone. Tell Addison I'm running late and to start without me. No hi or hello. The man might be handsome and drive a nice car, but he was rude. He swiped to hang up without a goodbye, too. My face apparently didn't hide my disdain. The jerk looked at me. What? I hope that wasn't your wife. You weren't very polite. He squinted at me. I need to make another call. Why don't you make yourself useful and call the police in the meantime? What a dick. I walked around to the other side of my car to grab my registration and insurance information from the glove compartment. When I walked back to where Mr. Rude Mercedes stood barking into his phone again, his eyes were glued to my legs. I shook my head and dialed 911. The operator answered, 911, what's the nature of your emergency? Hi, I just had an accident on the corner of Park and 24th. Okay, is anyone hurt and in need of medical attention? I covered the phone and asked the other driver. Are you hurt in any way? They're asking if we need medical treatment. His response was curt. I'm fine. Just tell them to hurry it up. I returned to the operator. No, thank you. We're both okay. Apparently, the only things damaged are our cars and the other driver's manners. Mr. Mercedes scowled at me. I scowled right back. After I hung up, I held out my paperwork to him. Why don't we exchange insurance information before the police come? I also have an important appointment to get to. He grabbed papers from his own car and pulled his license from his wallet. I took a photo of Hollis LaCroix's ID. Naturally, he actually lived on Park Avenue. That went with the whole package. After snapping a shot of his insurance and registration, I noticed he was still examining my license when I finished. I can assure you it's real, if that's what you're thinking. He took a photo of my license and held it out to me with my other paperwork. Connecticut, huh? That explains a lot. I snatched my stuff from Mr. Rude Hollis LaCroix. How so? You don't know how to parallel park. My eyes narrowed. I'll have you know, I'm a very good driver. He tilted his head toward his car. I have $10,000 worth of damage that says otherwise. I shook my head. You're an ass. You know that? I could have sworn I saw his lip twitch, like he enjoyed getting a rise out of me. Thankfully, the police arrived, so I didn't have to deal with them anymore. After talking to the officer and giving my version of the story, I went to sit in my car. The police then spoke to Hollis. My stomach growled while I watched the two men talk outside, so I grabbed the bag of junk food I'd bought to watch movies with Bree tomorrow night and munched on a box of Junior Mints. Eating the snack made it feel like I was in the audience watching a show. A show with one damn good-looking leading man. Hollis really was handsome. Tall, broad-shouldered, narrow waist, copper-toned tan, dark hair that was a little too long at the collar, and didn't exactly match his immaculately tailored suit. 
but it was his bright green eyes and thick, dark eyelashes that were the showstoppers. As if he felt me staring, he looked over at my car and our eyes met. I didn't bother to turn away and pretend I hadn't been staring. Screw him. If he could check out my legs, I could look at his pretty boy face. When he didn't stop staring, I flashed an overzealous and clearly phony full-tooth smile. That time there was no mistaking the twitch, mostly because it was followed by a half smirk. Hollis looked away, turning to speak to the police officer again, and I felt like I'd won an unspoken staring contest. By the time they finished and the officer walked over to my car, I downed the entire box of junior mints. All right, Miss Adler, this paper has your police report number on it. You can go online and get the actual report in about 24 to 48 hours or stop down at the precinct to pick it up. I took the, the, I took the paper. Thank you. Did you put down that the accident wasn't my fault? I listed the facts. It's up to your insurance to decide the percentage of fault to each driver. I sighed. Okay, thank you. Is there anything else? Because I have an appointment I really need to get to. No, ma'am. If your car is drivable, you're free to go. Mr. LaCroix has to wait for a tow. Okay, great. Have a good day, officer. You too, and be careful driving. It felt odd to just pull away without saying anything to Hollis, so I waited a minute until the cop got back into his car and drove off. Then I got out of my car and walked over to the Mercedes. Hollis was leaning against his trunk, playing with his phone. Um, is there anything you need? I asked. A ride or anything? I think you've done enough for the day. Thank you. God, why did I even ask? Great. I offered an insincere plastic smile. Have a nice life. Okay, that was the first chapter of Park Avenue Player by Penelope Ward and Vi Keelan. Um, a few eye-rolling moments, but whatever. I don't understand why these characters have to be, like, I don't know. Do you really want to read about ugly characters, I guess? I just can't help but rolling my eyes about this, you know, blonde, blue-eyed bombshell, D-cups, and this gorgeous, slicked-back millionaire driving a really expensive car. It's just so cliche, I guess, but whatever. I mean, it's again, it's been a while since I've read the romance genre, and I know there's a certain formula that you follow for romance um, and clearly the readers are expecting it judging by the comments on this book on Goodreads but let me read you my book review that I'm getting ready to post on my blog my thoughts on what I read by the way I gave it four stars out of five I almost gave it three you'll find out in a minute I had no intention of giving this story anything over three stars, and then the authors threw in a curveball at the end, and I ended up with tears in my eyes. Okay, fine, four stars it is. This review will contain spoilers, so if you have it, don't read or listen any further, you've been warned. Elodie is an attractive woman, and she uses her looks to flirt with married men in the hopes of providing evidence that they are cheating on their wives. She's an investigational decoy employed by a detective agency. She hates it, but it pays the bills. Her best friend, Bree, shows her an ad for a nanny. Elodie has a degree in child development, and her true passion lies with being around children, and that's what she really wants to do with her life. So taking her life by the short and curlies, she applies for the job. On her way to the job interview, she gets into a fender bender with a handsome man. They spar back and forth, the police arrive, they file their complaints, and they go about their business. 
Elodie makes it to her interview and is speaking with her female interviewee when lo and behold, who walks into the interview but the guy she had a fender bender with. Again, cliche. Would have been interesting to see the authors have them meet in some other way. But again, formula, romance, I get it. I couldn't help but roll my eyes at this coincidence, but whatever. It's a convenient way for the hero and the heroine to meet and start to interact. Elodie doesn't get the job as Hollis, the man who hit her, though he swears it's the other way around, says no way in hell is he hiring her for the job. How can he trust her to take care of his niece if she can't even drive to the interview without an incident? Elodie leaves in a huff and stops by the building's cafeteria to grab a coffee when she meets Haley, an 11-year-old girl with a sassy mouth. They hit it off primarily because the girl reminds Elodie of herself at that age. She soon learns that Haley is Hollis's niece and now she really wants the job as she wants the opportunity to, ste- to help steer this girl away from the troubled path she finds herself on. Since Elodie and Hollis exchanged personal information at the accident, she knows where he lives and not having anything to lose, she goes to his apartment to basically beg him to give her a chance. Haley sees her at the door, says she enjoyed talking to her in the cafeteria, and talks her Uncle Hollis into giving her the job. Elodie is a divorcee whose husband cheated on her. Hollis's childhood friend, then-girlfriend, Anna, turned down his marriage proposal and stated she was seeing someone else. Both of them have relationship abandonment issues and are very cautious around one another, though their physical attraction for each other starts to become impossible to ignore. Hollis takes Elodie home one evening and excuses himself to use the restroom. While in there, he sees Elodie's thongs draped over the shower rod to dry. Why does it always have to be thongs? I loathe thongs. They are the most uncomfortable form of underwear known to man. I would rather go commando than wear a thong, but whatever. Elodie is mortified that he's that close to her underwear, but whatever, she wasn't expecting to ever find her boss in her bathroom, so he would have to deal with seeing her intimates. The next morning, as she's getting ready to catch the train into the city to be with Haley, she realizes her black thong is missing. She looks everywhere for it and soon realizes that Hollis must have taken it. She gets to his apartment, and while Haley is busy doing something else, she goes into Hollis's bedroom to see if he had indeed taken her underwear. She finally finds it under his pillow and feeling naughty, she exchanges her current thong, eye roll, with the black one under his pillow. This back and forth goes on for some time with neither one of them saying anything but continuing the game. Elodie knows Hollis is doing naughty things to her underwear because it smells like his aftershave. I have to say this naughty back and forth was entertaining and fun and the authors do a really good job of building the sexual tension. However, I'm starting to get a bit bored with the story as it's not really progressing and it prompts quite a few eye rolls for me, literally, because it's borderline cliche. Elodie's friend, Bree, who pointed out the ad to her in the first place, has an incurable lung disease with an impossibly long name. She's not doing well and Elodie has to sort sort of halt the attraction she's feeling for Hollis in order to be there for her friend. Bree also happens to be the stepsister of her of Elodie's ex-husband, which was an interesting twist. Brie calls a family meeting and everyone gets together at the lake house so Brie can basically give everyone her dying wishes. 
Hollis, knowing that Elodie is at the lake house with her ex-husband, goes a little crazy because he doesn't want Elodie's ex to talk or trick her into getting back together. And that prompts him to make a decision. He wants to try and have a relationship with Elodie. Elodie agrees, but both want to proceed slowly, i.e. no sex, because they've both been burned and they don't know how Haley will take the news that her uncle and her nanny are dating. Bree takes a turn for the worse and ends up in the hospital. Bree's family is there, and when Elodie and Hollis arrive, Elodie is shocked to witness Hollis's reaction to Bree. They had never met before this point because Bree never physically felt up to meeting Hollis. It soon revealed that Bree is Anna. Bree's full name is Brianna. This is a complete game changer for Hollis and Elodie, and they grapple with their guilt and desire to be together. So, just to recap, Brie is Elodie's best friend and Anna is Hollis's Anna, the one who he wanted to marry but said she was seeing someone else. This is where I started to get into the story. The story was a bit formulaic at this point and though I wasn't exactly bored, I wasn't exactly enjoying this story either. I was simply going through the motions but when the authors threw that curveball into it, that was enough to push me into the land of caring. I really appreciated the complicated nuances of the complicated emotions that both Hollis and Elodie went through. They wanted to be together, but they felt like they were portraying Brie Anna. I found their reactions believable and that really pulled me into their stories. I became vested in their lives from that point forward. As I mentioned, the story was a bit ho-hum up to that hospital scene. I would have liked to have seen more of a relationship struggle between Elodie and Haley, as it was mentioned she was a troubled teen, but I didn't really see any evidence of that. In fact, I felt like Haley was incredibly easygoing, and that relationship clicked from the very beginning. I get why the authors likely didn't put much more effort into that aspect of the story, as they wanted to focus on Elodie and Hollis, but I feel like that would have helped develop Elodie's character a bit more. Hollis is a player, but he doesn't really exhibit any of the player personality, in my opinion. He's so obsessed with Elodie that he comes off as a bit of a puss, and Elodie has way too much power in this dynamic. I also think it would have been interesting to see more of Hollis and Brie Anna's dynamic after the initial surprise of finding her in the hospital. Instead of these interactions happening, the authors chose for Brianna to write them each letters, explaining her reasons for leaving Hollis, and in essence, giving them both permission to be together. I can understand why the authors chose to write the story that way, but I wish the last part of the book had been expanded on a bit more and a little less perfect relationship scenarios highlighted. Those bored me. It was too good to be true for a little too long. Overall, it was an interesting read. It evoked emotion for me, and like I said, I teared up at the end. That hospital scene definitely elevated my rating from three stars to four stars, mainly because it was so left field and took me completely by surprise. Here's a comment on Goodreads that caught my eye, and I pretty much agree with it. It started out great. The first half was a page turner with great characters, some amazing chemistry, and a very slow, steaming buildup. It took a long time for the H and H to finally get together, which did get a little old. But overall, I really enjoyed the first half. Let's see, this is where I disagree with the commenter. I think the first half was the most boring part. The second half, of the, on the other hand, not so great. It almost felt like a completely different book. I actually kind of agree with her there. There was absolutely no heat between the lead characters. None, not a zip. The H&H learns something about the relationship that shocks them and me, to be honest, something for which the author should get a few props, I suppose. 
But after this revelation, the H was a bit too moody and cold, and the heat that was building between them for the first half of the book was gone. I no longer cared what happened between them. I just wanted to get it over with. The story became sad and depressing and a bit of a downer, to be honest. The ending was a happy one, but by that point, I had completely checked out. That was the commenter. Here's my response to the commenter. It's funny, the negative comments on this story all begin with, it started out great, but then the second half, the story was a downer. I feel the complete opposite. I feel like the first half was boring as hell, and the second half was where it got interesting. I appreciated the twist and the complex emotions that came along with all of that. But I will say, I do agree with some of the negative comments. It does seem like Hollis is is settling for Elodie as second best. His love for her is really more physical, whereas his relationship with Anna was deeper, more fulfilling than with Elodie. It does make me wonder if Anna had lit if Anna had lived, if Hollis wouldn't have dumped Elodie and been with her instead. And it does seem like Hollis is a bit stuck in the past when it came to his love for Anna. She was the love of his life and yet he's now with Elodie. I think it's important to remember that there are different types of loves in life. I think that was what the authors were trying to tell us in this story. It's possible to love more than one person in life. It all depends on circumstance and timing, really. Who knows if if Hollis would have picked Anna over Elodie at that point in his life. He would always have feelings for Anna, but were those feelings out of loyalty and memory or or feelings that he wanted to explore and share into his future? I wasn't expecting such complexity with this story, and the fact that it ended with a glimpse of the iceberg under the water was enough for me to give this four stars. And there you have it. That is my review of Park Avenue Player. I do feel like Hollis's relationship with Elodie was more physical. And I do feel like if he had discovered Anna was sick, he would have moved hell and high water to be with her and Elodie would have been the one um, left floundering. So it did feel odd. It, I agree with that one commenter. It almost did feel like two different stories sewn together. And apparently this is not uncommon for Penelope Ward and Vi Keelan, that apparently some of their other stories have similar vibes where, um, like, you know, they're, 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 the heroine, the, her, the hero is not really over their um, their first loves, I guess. So... Again, I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, there are different loves. You're not the same person you are when you grow older. Uh, So who knows if Hollis would have gone for Anna if Anna hadn't been sick and died. Uh, But it did feel a little disjointed and weird there at the end. Though, the authors do a good job of showing the struggle of, you know, their, their guilt and their wanting to be together and... It was a it was a good ending. It really did evoke some tears for me. It was a, it was a good ending, and to me, that's what saved the book because up until that point, I mean, it was just so cliche. The blonde bombshell, the handsome millionaire, you know, and the the crash they meet, and then of course they meet in the interview. Everything was so formulaic, formulaic that at that point I was just I was definitely bored. So the fact that the authors threw in that last curveball of Hollis's first love having this incurable lung disease who happened to be Elodie's best friend by the way that was a nice little tie-in um, I felt like that was pretty original and refreshing to be honest 
So anyway, that's my review of Park Avenue Player, four stars out of five. Don't know that I would actually recommend it, to be honest. If you're looking for, if you're looking for a traditional romance, this is not it. If you're looking for a complicated love triangle relationship, somewhat, then this might be the read for you. So hope this review was helpful and I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I do plan on posting something every week, but don't hold me to that. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> it depends on my day job. Okay. Um, so we'll see, but I do appreciate you tuning in and listening and I hope to see you around in the future. And again, if you're interested in reading along or getting my thoughts on the next book, which is Station Breaker by Andrew Main, feel free. And I would, I look forward to hearing your comments on that as well on my blog. So enjoy the rest of your day. Again, thanks for your time. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.